0: If you ever thought, even for a split second, that you want to start a podcast, or you already have a podcast, or you just want to get better at asking questions, this interview is for you. Andrew Warner is an entrepreneur and host of the Hit Startup Podcast, where he uncovers secrets of the world's best founders. Over the course of 2,000 episodes, Andrew has interviewed everyone from Barbara Corcoran to Gary Vee to founders of Airbnb. And the reason... I was so excited to interview Andrew is because when I first started podcasting trying to think of questions and outline interviews was a complete challenge it's still a challenge there is no real guide or clear direction i was just guessing until now because thankfully Andrew just wrote a book about it called Stop Asking Questions How to Lead High Impact Interviews and Learn Anything from Anyone. And if you don't believe me, take it from Seth Godin, who says, This is a book about respect respecting others enough to interview them well, respecting your audience enough to do the work, and respecting yourself enough to be clear about what you're doing, and why. This conversation served as almost a free one-on-one consultation from one of the best interviewers in the world on how to have an engaging conversation. But please don't tell Andrew I don't want to get a bill in the mail. (laughs) And crazy enough, Andrew even shared this interview on his own podcast feed, Startup Stories, which was one of the highest compliments coming from someone like him. As you can tell, I enjoyed this conversation and I am also blabbing about it, which is something a good podcaster probably should do So let's get on with the show. Welcome to the conversation, Andrew Warner. So I want to I want to start with a quick story. And it, we, we were discussing your, your, your book that is coming out mm-hmm. uh, entitled Stop Asking Questions. And I I, I didn't I wasn't going to bring this up and I, a light bulb popped off. And and um, and I saw <laughs> so I'm going to reveal to you
1: Good.
0: the reason I enjoy asking questions so much is because of my mother. Okay. And when you were talking about the title of your book before we start recording, I, om- I honestly almost teared up because I was, I was like, I really get this from my mom. And it, there's this quote that my dad says about my mom, and he says, we could be at the movie theater, and mom goes into the bathroom, and by the time she comes out, she meets someone in the bathroom, and by the time she comes out, she knows the woman's mortgage. <laughs> and she just has this ability to connect with people genuinely curiously almost selfishly you know kind of like i'm just hey what's going on in your world and you have this uh you mentioned this in an in a in another interview at some point and i and i love it so much because it made me feel better for how i conduct my interviews you said the best interviews seem to be the most selfish interviews yeah and and that made me feel good because i was like i'm I, you know that's why I started this. This gives me an excuse to talk to people I'm truly interested in learning about. You know what, you're and, absolutely right, Tom. Yeah. I'm sorry to
1: inter- interrupt you. I'm being no, a no, jerk. No, no, no. Go here. ahead. I was, I was a long no, intro. No, no, no. You're <laughs> absolutely right. Here's the thing. I, I get interviewed because I've been doing these interviews now uh, on my podcast for the last 14 years, over 2,000 interviews. People often ask me to be interviewed, to interview me. So I sit down. And they go through all the things they think they have to ask about my business, which they read like 50 billion times, yep. but they don't care about. The reason they know me and they want to interview me is because they read it 50 billion times. They ask me about this the, the, um, the company that I started, about where I went to school, all that. And then at the end, they say, by the way… How do you get anyone to listen to a podcast and that's really what they wanted what they came to this with was this selfish need to say I've got this podcast nobody's listening I'm suffering through creating it what do I do I should ask Andrew Andrew's been doing this he's got an audience I'll ask him. But I can't just ask him, so I'll ask him to do an interview. I can't just ask him in the interview because then it'll look like I tricked him into giving me advice. And so we sit and we go through the stuff that they think they should. And you know what? This happens a lot. It happens at dinner parties. It happens um, when you're talking to a new person. It it happens at work conversations. All the stuff we're supposed to ask, it it bores us both to death when there's stuff we really want to know. And go yep. to the selfish, and be okay with it. And I'm not saying ignore the other person. I'm just saying, what is it that you care about? It's fine to ask. That's what we're here for.
0: I I think this is the strongest in, in, intro to any of any one of my podcasts. And I have to admit, sitting here talking to you, it feels like like th- this is the lens I'm looking at it through. I'm a newbie. I, I I'm. You've been doing like 150 episodes.
1: podcast episodes, and beyond that, even more. All right, I'm now shouting you down. What do you mean by a newbie? Let me take him a, step a, a back
0: newbie. And- uh, I, you've you've interviewed over 2,000 people. Yep. You have a lot of experience asking questions. Yep. So I would like that, like the the true. You asked me what would make it a win for me mm-hmm. at the end of this conversation, 35 minutes in, whenever. I want you to give me blunt feedback okay. on. How how I'm asking questions And how I can improve okay. Because I feel like that will selfishly help me And then a listener who knows the podcast Knows my style And they might hear it at the end and be like Oh, he's right, he's right Tom <laughs> needs to stop doing that or Tom needs to start okay. doing
1: more of that Okay
0: Does I'm that sound you. good?
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: Okay Well and and so let's get right into it because that's mm-hmm. that's the lens that I want to talk through. I I think people can get the insight to your company, everything you've done on your website, everything's out there. I want to I want to get better at asking questions. Mm-hmm. But the title of your book is called "Stop Asking Questions." Can can we understand that a little more?
1: Yes, if we just keep asking questions, we're going to sound like four year olds who want to know everything and want to be told everything, and it comes across as obnoxious. What we need to do when we're curious about people is pay attention to how we're asking and make sure that we're not coming across as overly needy people. Why did you come up with your idea? What do you think I should be doing differently? How do you think I could do it better? How did you get started? What are you uh-huh. doing that works, right? Notice how you you told me. You said, when this is over, I want you to tell me what I could do better. You didn't ask it as a phrase, you didn't ask it as a question, you phrased it as a statement. And the thing that I realized after doing interviews is a lot of conversation stuff is intuitive and wrong. And it's enough to get by and you're not gonna feel the errors, but if you're doing it a lot, You're going to start to really have problems and you're not going to know why because everything you're doing seems right. You're asking questions. That's why people came to do an interview with you. Why do they feel so bothered after an hour? Well, it's little things like you hit them with question after question after question. They feel tired. And sometimes what you need to do is stop asking questions and rephrase things even as a sentence. Even if you instead of saying, where would you come up with uh, your business idea? Say, tell me how you came up with your business idea. Tell me why you sold the company. You're guiding people. Now, that's one layer. Just simple rephrasing, it makes it sound less like you're a needy person asking for help and more like you're going to guide this because you're the producer of this conversation and you're going to help them do a good job here in front of an audience that they don't know and they have every reason to feel insecure about. So that's one way. Another way is you can pause from time to time and acknowledge what they said and say, you know what, here's an experience that I had in my life so that there's a little bit of reciprocation enough that it feels like it's a real conversation conversation that you're sharing with them and that you're not just squeezing them for info and you're not needy like a four-year-old or an intern in their lives and that's what i mean and the reason i titled the book stop asking questions is because a lot of good conversation advice is good at the surface when you want to go deep it hurts you and you need to go counterintuitive and to really analyze it
0: yeah and i i find too at least when i was just starting out that when I was too regimented on the questions that I was trying to hit, I would leave a lot of the good stuff on the table where the conversation was naturally going. So I listened to the podcast back, and I'm like, oh, I just totally skipped the the natural progression of that conversation yes. because I like had this list of questions I needed to hit.
1: You it, know what? Let me say yeah.
0: this.
1: One of my friends is a guy named Johnny Chan. He works at... um Uh, People.ai helping train their salespeople. They're professional salespeople selling software to professional salespeople, right? One of the things that I saw him get excited about when he looked at new technology was tech, tech that takes Zoom calls and analyzes it and helps salespeople see what did they say that helped close the sale? What did they say that kept people from closing the sales? What I noticed from watching really good salespeople like him and trainers like him is they don't count on charisma to tell them whether someone's doing well. They do what you did, you go back and you listen, they will even get transcripts of what they said so that there's no emotional connection to the words and you could see it in black Mm. and white. There, the customer said that they're excited and me, I shut the conversation down and switch. There, I asked the question and boom, they open up. Or more like it's, they opened up. Why is this going on for paragraph after paragraph? Oh yeah, I asked this one thing. I said this one thing and it triggered it. And so what I'd suggest to you, Tom, and frankly, anyone who's in conversations at all, whether you're working with clients, whether you're working as an interviewer the way you and I are right now, whether it's just sales, anything, Record those conversations and they've never been better tools. Zoom has one button. You press and you record. If you're in a conversation with a client, you say, I'm going to record this so that we both have a record of what we ha- what we said and we can go back and look at our notes. Don't just go back and look at your notes for the task and the to-do and all that. Go back and say, where did the conversation get exciting? Where did it get productive? Where did they feel like they closed? Where did they feel like they didn't? And then what did I say before it led to it? That little bit of analysis is what led me to see what my best techniques were in conversation and then save them so that I could reuse them and not hope that I have a great conversation but actually create a be- a, a great conversation. So I love how that you're much, doing it. I'm just suggesting transcripts too.
0: Yeah, and how <laughs> much of your conversations are kind of planned out in advance versus – like after you record an interview, let's say you had 30 – five points to, to touch, and then after the interview, how many of those points would you say a percentage-wise would you actually hit? On the co- It's hard to it usually, say. Yeah, I got to this I, that, place. that's like a very granular question. No, I know, you know I know what, what I'm you're saying. getting at. Yeah, yeah. Tom,
1: I got this place where everything was finally running right in the company, right? If I'm going to record thousands of interviews, I need to have a team that does research, that books, that follows yeah. through, that spends time pre-interviewing a guest. And I remember I was in this one interview – And I wish I could remember the name of the person because I remember looking at my notes and saying to him, because I always am open in the interview, what we're saying is so good, but I feel bad. You spent an hour with my producer in the pre-interview. I want to keep going on this train of thought that we have instead of going on what we said in the pre-interview notes. And he gave me permission. He said – I and the audience, not just the audience and you, but I also want the best possible conversation. If we're seeing that we're riffing here in a way that's going better than anything we planned, I would much rather sacrifice the hour of work that I did before in the pre-interview and the notes and what we discussed that we're going to talk about. I'd much rather sacrifice all that and go for the great. And so that gave me permission in general to say, I might have this list of 47 points that I want to get into a conversation but if this is a good vein, if we're going down a good path, I have to be willing to burn all that work that my team and I did and feel good about it. And that's that's the heart of good conversations, being willing to burn the good for the great. Yep.
0: And it, it it's it's really neat that you're at a point in your career that you're able to you have a team. You have yeah. a, a, a system around you to to look at these interviews from all angles. My question is, for the person that might have a full-time job, doesn't have much to do research on people, uh, a, 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 as much as they would like, but they're they're really curious. like They want to do this. They just want to get started. Let's say this person is a couple of interviews in, and he gets this opportunity last minute to interview one of his favorite authors. Mm-hmm. But he only has an hour
1: mm-hmm.
0: to prepare for this interview. Where should he spend his time in that hour to prepare for that interview?
1: Right. First of all, the reason that I have a team is actually A.J. Vaynerchuk's uh, fault, or I, I credit him and I fault well no fault. I credit him. I was doing an interview with A.J. Vaynerchuk, Gary Vaynerchuk's brother, and I'd known him a little bit over the years. And and so I was as open as I always am in my interviews. And I said, I'm, I'm burning out here. I'm doing too much. What do I do? And he said, Andrew, you could hire someone to help. I said, I can't. There's not enough of an operation here. And he said, you know, people who are listening would volunteer to do this to help you out because they want to get to know the people that you're interviewing. They want to get to know you. They want to see the operation from the inside. Do you know how helpful that is? Just ask for a volunteer. I don't think I had the guts to ask for a volunteer he then asked for a volunteer on my behalf and started me off with a team of people the first ones were volunteers who just wanted to see how is this done because they want to do it themselves who wanted to actually get to know the guests who want to learn from me what i was doing so that they could do it too so anyone who doesn't have a team i'd really i should be as much of a pressure guy a push you the way that aj vaynerchuk pushed me because without that kind of pressure it's hard to ask but I'd say maybe there's someone who's listening to us now, Tom, who wants to work with you, wants to help out. Looking for those volunteers and then sifting through and making sure you get the right one is important because just because someone listens doesn't mean it's enough. It's it's helpful. So yeah. I, I know that's so, not so, your question, but no, no, I, I want sure to make sure. I'm glad add that. you touched
0: that though. Mm-hmm. I, I was having a conversation with my buddy today and I, I said that same exact thing. I said, I need a marketing intern assistant on the the podcast project with me and i'm putting together an an outline bullet bullet point list of uh people that i'm looking forward to collaborate on this and it would it would be light stuff it'd be a couple hours a week but i know they would free me up to be more present and more effective in the conversations and the thing i was i was hung up on is something you touched upon i was like i feel i i feel like it's 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 frowned upon to put out a, a job listing that is unpaid in twenty twenty one for Here's some reason. I, I don't, it, is that mental? That's true. It is. No, you're yeah. right.
1: To say I have a free job, uh, a job that doesn't pay, is to say I need help. Who wants to collaborate with okay. me on this? Who wants to? I'll show. Who wants to do this with me? It's it's accepted <laughs> to say I'm looking for um, an apprentice. I guess an apprentice seems a little bit too snooty, but to say I need help here. If you help me with th- with this, I will show you how I run this operation. Mm. I'll show you how I work with my client. I'll show you what I do on my own site. You'll get to do this with me, and then we'll get to. Uh, and then you can go and take this off on your own. I think that makes a ton of sense. I'm thinking about like one of the things that I ad- admire about you. I told you this from the beginning, and the reason that you just heard a sound as uh, as you were talking was I wanted to come back to your page. I love how you do these freaking snippets on your Instagram page. <coughs> I am gonna say it out loud just so I remember it and have it in the in the transcript. It's bonus footage is the name on Instagram. I freaking love how you do it. It just it's clear, short videos with this basic uh, not basic with a, a clear message, and then they're interesting to watch. How many pitches do I get from people who want to clip my show and then turn it into something meaningful and it's all boring as hell? And you do mm. this thing that's so interesting, it doesn't feel like you're trying too hard, but you're trying and it and you care and and you understand that we're trying to be um, entertained while we're going through Instagram. Anyway, I love it. If you were to say to somebody, if you were to say to me, I'm trying to think, is there something I could do to help you out so that I could see how to do this? Maybe not now because of the book and uh, and my work, I can't do it. But damn, I would love to work with you for free to see how you do that. (laughs) How do you transform an idea, a simple video looking at the camera into something that people want to watch and care about and that you could feel proud to put out there? So what I'm saying is, you can ask for help, and people will do it. Say, who wants to collaborate with me on this and learn from from watching from me? That's that's a gift. Now, we're over-complicating uh, it by saying, come work for me, and we're going to have this whole – no, it's just – This many I, hours. Right, exactly. This is exactly. the yeah, description. Yeah, okay. yeah, I have this idea for how to market. If you come and work with – and if you help me do this, you'll learn how to do it, and I can help you by showing you how I get my operation up and running. Now, you also have to then stand up and help them. And show them yep. how you do your thing. And that's, a that's first of all, it's an obligation. It's a commitment. But also, it's a huge benefit to you. I asked uh, people, and I asked James Altucher. People know how much I love chess lately. I said, James Altucher, you're, the guy's a famous writer, right? Incredible career, investor, uh, all kinds of stuff. I go, dude, why are you giving me, like he, he'll spend three hours doing a chess lesson with me. I said, why are you doing this for, with me for free? And he said, one of the things that he learned was you need somebody who's ahead of you, you need someone who's at your level, and you need someone mm-hmm. who's below, right? Someone who's ahead of you to teach you, someone at your level that you can just kind of spar against, and then someone who's below that you teach because when you teach them, you are forced to live what, you, what you're what you teaching. You're forced to say, do I really understand this enough to explain it? You are forced to actually relearn and to, and to hold on to what you've learned, and that's a huge help. So for you to say, Come help me with this marketing. I have specific help that I need, but I'm not a freeloader here. I'm going to show you how I do my operation. There's something gold here, and I want to show you how it is. Anytime that it doesn't make sense, you could move on. Just obviously don't leave each other hanging, but I'll make sure that you learn, and you're going to get a lot out of it. So I still want to go. I wrote down what your question was, and I I don't want to ignore it, but I want to make that point because AJ was so incredibly helpful to me when he did that with me, that he was really pushing with me. Um and how, how and long ago platform. was that? Matt Interject. It oh. was years ago. It was years ago. This was like, back when AJ was still actually talking to people. AJ Vaynerchuk <laughs> now is like the the behind the scenes. He, he must have gotten quiet and shy or something. I said to Gary in, in my interview with him, I go, What the hell happened to your brother? Your whole spiel is everyone should be creating in public. What are yeah, you doing? Yeah, yeah. The guy runs your company with you. Yeah. And he sheepishly said, Well, not everybody's really <laughs> to be in public. I think AJ yeah. is. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Um, so you're saying, what do you do to prepare? If I had to, yeah, here's what I would do. If you do.
0: had a short window of time, where like the 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 core principle, the core things you would focus on, to... I would go
1: internally and say, what do I really care about? I can. I yeah. think everyone else, anything that this author has to say online has already been said about. The book in general but what is it that i really care about what do i need to know so when i was interviewing neil strauss the author of the game the question wasn't how did you get all these women into bed with you it, or how how dare you get all these women in? it wasn't all that it was when you're persuading at work how do you what did you learn there that you can actually use show me these ideas that i see amazingly uh, um, persuade women show me how i could use them in general and it was incredibly helpful to have that conversation. It was incredibly helpful to have that conversation. So go inward is what I'm saying. Do the one thing yep. that you're uniquely suited to do. And then here's a trick for reading books. Most um, most nonfiction books, they basically have the premise in the intro. The premise is almost always laid out like this. It's, I was living a life. I had this problem. I didn't know how to solve it because nobody else could solve it. And then I solved it doing this. Here's the amazing thing that happened to me after I solved it. And then I had to write this book to share that with the world, right? Boom, 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 boom. They always do it. Now you know what the upside is. You have their personal story. And then they almost always will break down each chapter into explaining a technique that they use to do the thing that transformed their lives and forced them to write this book that nobody else had written before. And if you get the chap, if you get the chapters, if you get that intro, you mostly get the idea.
0: So I'm gonna take a little lesson from you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go into it. Why were you so compelled to? to write this specific book with this specific direction. You've asked a lot of questions. You've, you've had a lot of conversations. There's other people with books on how to interview, how to podcast. I dabbled in that.
1: there are. I don't know how to podcast. I don't think there are books on how to interview. I, no, you tell me. There, are. there aren't. There, no, there
0: no, aren't. you're right. You're yeah. right. There's Here's that my. specific thing. When I saw the title, I, I, I signed up for the, the intro chapter. I, like, I was like, yeah. I, I want this Thanks. now. Like, I saw it, and I was like, this is what I've been looking for.
1: That was by the way one of the best things I did. I said, I will, I need some beta readers. Let me send out the chapters and tell me, give me some feedback, tell me what you think. It was big feedback that helped adjust the book, but even little ones. Like one guy said, Dude, you misspelled this one guy's name. And I said, <laughs> How do we misspell the person's name? And then we went back and we fixed our process to make sure that we got it. Actually, the the publisher had it, but I want to make sure that I don't misspell someone's name because the whole thing is stories about how I how I did interviews. So, the thing that made me feel compelled was there are all these books about how to learn from books. There are all these mm. tips for how to learn from blog posts, from this, from that. The one source of information that could give you unique answers that adjust to your needs is other human beings, and there is no book on how to do it. What there has been over the years is, first of all, interviewing as a, as a, as a, th- As an output, not as some Mm -hmm. way of a reporter learning something and writing an article, I thought was around for thousands of years. It's about 100 years old. Um, If you take a look back, and I I challenge people, you can hardly find any uh, interviews that are published. Before about a hundred, before uh, before the dawn of television, they just—it's not an output. Yeah. It's a, it was an in-source uh, way of getting information, and that's the type of thing that blew my mind. And then I started racking my brain. Then I did a challenge online. I offered to pay people if they could find me early interviews and just get a sense—they're not out there. It's a new medium. Um, the thing—I uh, want to go like into the history of of interviews. I'll go into it a little bit. Apparently, Let's what go happened was—yeah, I would love to. Here's what happened. Yeah. There were these. Um, Famous uh, movie stars and TV stars who needed to appear on television shows, but they couldn't keep being in sketches. It became a lot of work for the star to be in a sketch, and it became a lot of work to create a sketch for each person that would make them shine. And so if you have a host who's doing sketches in the early version of television with celebrities, they need something else. They decided, all right, what if we sit down and do an interview? And the sit-down interview as an end product that people watch became a thing. News programs then wanted to feed off of this entertainment-style approach, and they started to do it. And so you started to see what we now know as like the 60 minutes type interview or Oprah did great ones. Diane Sawyer did great ones. Barbara Walters became known as it. Larry King became known as uh, the interviewer. But here's the thing. Larry King, Barbara Walters and others had all written books on how to do interviews. Supposedly they're called how to talk to anyone. I think Barbara Walters did it. Mm -hmm. Larry King did it. I won't even tell you, Tom, how much work I went to go and find the Barbara Walters book on how to talk to people, the interview book. She did, though, what everybody else who'd written, who'd who'd done interviews and written a book on how to do it did. She turned it into how to talk to anyone. With just a few anecdotes from her interviews and a lot of how do you talk at cocktail parties, and the reason was that before about ten years ago, fifteen years ago, when podcasting and interviews were available, the average person couldn't do it. So if you're a Barbara Walters fan, you're not watching her and going, "Shit, I got to go out there and do my own interviews like Barbara Walters." ABC, come on, no, there was no way for them to do it. But they cared about her. They want to know a little bit about her process and how they could use it in their lives. So she started off with a couple of interview tips, and then I swear to you, she gave makeup advice in her book. The woman who oh gave. who made leaders of countries just wince and get angry and reveal themselves as revealing to you what type of makeup you should wear, right? And so that never existed before. All right, so that's why I decided I had to do it. I had to say, this is a thing that I learned we now have all these people we could interview. It's a gift that we can do it. And new software is being made available all the time. You and I are now talking on Riverside FM, which makes it easy for people to record interview-style podcasts. But you know what? There are more and more tools coming out there. There's Twitter Spaces, which we know. There's Racket, which is specifically built for quick interviews. So we now have access to people we admire on camera, off camera, on internet, et cetera. But I would even say beyond that, some people have the same kind of experience. That Am I ranting for too long here? I might be.
0: I love it. All right. I'm here for it. I'm not, right. I, 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 let, I, let's run it. Right. Let's let go one yeah. last yeah. step.
1: Some people have the same kind of experience that I talked about in the intro chapter of my book, which is – I got to talk to one of the legends on Wall Street. His name is Alan Greenberg. Nobody called him Alan Greenberg. They called him Ace Greenberg because he was just such a maven of Wall Street, right? I get to talk to him because I'm an intern making no money for somebody who he doesn't even know works for him because it's it's a big investment organization, right? I sit down with him. I don't know. He's given me an opportunity. He wants to teach me. I don't know what to ask him. And I'm asking him questions, and he's telling me answers that I saw. I literally saw them in Fortune magazine. I literally saw them in Forbes because I, I knew my shot was there to meet the great man that I could then eventually work with or learn from and use. And I didn't know what to do. Um, and so I, I kicked myself. I said I finally had this opportunity. I remember I then had a full-time job, or not a full-time, but a paying job beyond that. And I remember I went to my boss, Paul Cerbera, and he goes, what did you learn? What did you learn? <laughs> you got to sit next to this guy. We all yeah. knew him. He told me legendary stories about him. What did you learn? And I said, It's in Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Here, let me give you Forbes magazine. Yeah. I, I said something even dopier. It was something, because the biggest thing that I learned from him was he gave me something that was a cliche, and I knew it out as I walked out the door. He stood up before, like to end the awkwardness, and he said, Andrew, one of the things I learned from my boss was if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. All right, thank you for coming by. And I go, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's like some deep wisdom in there maybe i know it sounds like a cliche but this is the thing i got so i'm gonna hang on yeah. to it and see if i could find maybe meaning it. there's obviously yeah. meaning but th- yeah. i could have found out a fucking cor- fork and ch- fortune cookie i shouldn't curse here that's all right I feel free
0: that's, to bleep that's, it that, that's all right we're we're, we're rolling worked up we're, we're rolling here I, I i love i mean that's the way i am when, when people interview me and I, and uh i uh you know that this is the time this is the time to share that this is what i'm asking this is uh uh this is why you're on the show to to go deep into these subjects and and to get like these these nuanced interactions that made this book possible yeah. and um you brought up a, you, in the process of 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 you going deep in there it it, it, it clicked to me that you started cre- creating this podcast your interview show before the word content was even a thing you know you yeah. were just like why did you even want to go that direction and then how cool is it when you it, i did you have that sense in your mind like oh there there could be a business around this or was it like oh this is just a natural progression of me following my p- passion and content we can we can content's attention attention sells let's, let's I go i didn't
1: even have that what i had was when I graduated from school, I wanted to create an un- I wanted to create a magazine and sell subscriptions of it. I said, I know people still pay for subscriptions for paper. I can make cold calls. I want to create a magazine with uh, biographies of people I admire because there was a period there when Forbes Magazine created something called Audacity Magazine, and I loved it so much. I hunted down mint copies of that magazine. I-, I wish I hadn't thrown it out, or maybe ask ah, it. You don't want to mm-hmm. hold on to stuff in life. I don't anyway. I want I want to. Mm-hmm light but it was so beautifully written these stories that that had a clear message of people you didn't know that you could learn from more than you would in school and i wanted to create something like that and i said i could sell it and if i get a subscription then i can keep rolling it over and then i end up with a real big business here meanwhile my brother created an online dating site and i said oh maybe i should go to online there's more money in that but i still <clears throat> love the idea love- of storytelling and learning from entrepreneurs who who built the who who built the world for us and so anyway that's the background then i started hosting these events and microsoft sponsored them and lynn langett who worked for microsoft at the time said to me andrew we're happy to sponsor but you need to do a better job of telling people about the events i said i'm sending out invitations all the time she said no invitations that's great i see you're packing these places up what you need to do is show people who didn't come what was going on here and broaden your reach, which mm-hmm. I then understood later on also helped her with her reach. And it wasn't just that she was getting more eyeballs. She wanted to be able to go back to the people at Microsoft who, was, who were funding her to fund me and say, we backed this thing. Now, if it's this thing that's ephemeral and happens um, in in uh, in someone's office, is like this big party that I threw, it's not a thing you can show anyone. But if I could do something, it would be – it would be an event it would be content that she could then take to her bosses and so she pushed me she pushed me and then finally I said you know what I'll interview the people who came to the events and I started interviewing them and then I interviewed this woman who over the years we'd done millions of dollars in business with I'd been to her house she'd been to my I didn't really have a house at the time but she'd been to my office we'd had dinner for for years as we just kept working together and then I, I said let me interview you let me go outside of my, my uh, people who come to my party and interview you and I got to hear her story like I'd never heard anyone else because or like I' never heard her story before because when I had dinner with her, it would be awkward to spend an hour going deep on how she started her company, where she came up with her idea. It, it feels too one-sided if I if you know you just you don't have places in life where you could press, but here I had an hour to ask to see who this guy was, what she did there, what she, why she ended up with this company, what happened when she took the company public and so on. And so was, her name was Rosalind Resnick. I published that interview. I remember then looking over at my wife. I said, I found the thing I want to do for the rest of my life because mm-hmm. now I get, to, it's a, I get to see these exciting stories I used to love reading in real life customized to my needs and have conversations with people that I thought I knew in a whole new way. Nobody had ever done that before. Yeah. And and
0: early on did you sense that you had a strength, a knack for having these conversations or uh you know and 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 what has changed um let's say from not not what has changed cuz probably a lot has changed. Uh but I'm, like what are like key things that made you get from like that first interview to your 200th interview? Like what are key things that like made your inter- interviewing process that much better for your guests? I kind of asked
1: a couple it, what questions I, there. <laughs> what I had in the beginning was imitation. I really liked this American life and how thoughtful they were. And so yeah. it was what you're about to hear in this interview is a conversation about something I've really been wondering about. I, I had his style copied almost exactly. Mm. But I did also have sincerity. I knew that I was on some online webinar where someone interviewed. um, wasn't an interview, but she was kind of introducing a presentation by Seth Godin and then these two other authors. And I thought it was a great idea, right? Seth gets to bring his audience in and then he gets these two other famous authors in. So now I get to hear Seth and I get to hear his two other famous author people and it was great. And then they all get to like expand their audiences and this whole thing. But when she introduced them, she she said something that just rubbed me the wrong way. She said, and now we're going to hear from Seth Godin. We're going to hear his secrets, his marketing secrets. And I said, they're not his marketing secrets. The guy freaking wrote a book. He's trying to publicize besides it. You can't, <laughs> yeah. when you're publicizing a book, uh, you can't call it marketing secrets. And, I, and, and obviously that's a little thing. I'm being pedantic there. But the thing that bothered me was I could see she wasn't being sincere. She was being a performer. She was doing the thing mm. she thought she needed to do, which is introduce him and give the thing that he was doing some specialness. And what I wanted her to do was, just be open and say, I followed this guy for years. I can't believe I'm allowed to be here. The thing that I liked about him was he said purple cow and then I decided to create this little thing and that's what happened to me. And because of that, I got to grow my business a little bit and now I want to hear a little bit more and frankly be a little more connected to Seth. Just do the thing that's open. And I said, since I hate the way she's doing it, I have to then do it the way that I want and not hate myself. And so I would be open and I would say things like, "I'm, I'm not comfortable in this interview. I feel like I screwed this up. I feel like I'm going to too weak here and that helped that helped a lot to be that sincere
0: yep yep and then and then uh man th-
1: there's <laughs> there's been a
0: couple tangents where i'm like oh i want to i want to pull from that idea i uh-huh. want to pull from this idea uh we we touched upon uh things that you uh as far as w- when um you're putting the content into the book and you're trying to put all of your ideas into 200 pages uh around 200 how how many pages are we talking here
1: i don't know Um, uh we we don't know yet we don't know yet all i have is the google doc it's a 160 pages I think it's Uh a
0: beautiful google doc how do you decide (laughs) um like who who are you talking to directly in this conversation is this someone that is sitting on the sidelines and is like i'm curious about getting into a podcast or is this someone that is 300 episodes in and they want to get better or is this going to apply to to both of those people
1: it's going to apply to both of those people, but only people who want to learn through this like structured – inner or through an interview. Um, actually, learn from other people through conversation. Um, if you're trying to grill someone and pull out information and get that aha, gotcha moment so that you can make it on CNN or Fox or whatever, I'm going to be horrible for you because all I want to know is – The depth of the person, if that's what you're trying to do, whether it's in one-on-one conversation that's never taped and nobody hears it except the two of you, or you and the guest at a fireside at a big conference where you're sitting down and getting to interview the person on stage with a big audience and it's going to be recorded for everyone else, it's that. It doesn't matter to me how big your audience is. It doesn't matter to me how experienced you are. I want to show you how you can tap into the experience, the knowledge of the other person, and make it applicable to you and people like you. And so – What I did there was I started to think about who these people would be, and I was very slow in writing on my own. And then I hired this uh, editor from Penguin. I said, Her name is Mary Sun. I looked her up. She's involved in amazing books. I said, Can I hire you to once a week just hold me accountable, make sure I'm actually writing the work, and then tell me if what I'm writing makes sense? And I learned a lot from doing that with her. But one of the things that she did was outside of the writing process, she said, ask other interviewers what problems they have. And that would be one of my assignments for the week. I said, let's just take a break from writing. And so I would reach out to other interviewers and say is there anyone who needs any help? Let's do a one-on-one call. Let's just see if I could help you out with anything. I have all this experience. I went to some Facebook groups and I offered it and people thought that I was trying to, uh, I don't know what, suck email addresses solicit out of the network or solicit. No, all I was trying to do was it be helpful so that I can see what problems they had. And so I did that with new people. I did that with people who started and closed their podcast to understand why they shut it down. I did it with people who had never podcasted before. I did it with people, like depending on the week What we were working on, it was don't just think about what you what you imagine they need. If you're stuck and you can't write, let's just get away from the page and go and do an assignment like that. And that helped me. And so it's written for anyone who wants to learn from a conversation with someone else, and it's based on the problems that people who I've talked to have had and the experience that I've had doing it myself.
0: Yep, and. Uh, there's there's a, an idea that keeps popping up that I'm having in the back of the head that I wise want to like I want to share where it's this idea that I believe so much in this medium, and mm-hmm. I believe in it from the aspect that it's not so much as you know obviously it's a good way to get into you know if you want to build a business around it that's a great way to go but the way i see it is this is like shooting hoops for me this is like a week this is like picking up kayaking you know some people go hiking like i love doing this this is my hobby and i'm starting to realize you know i'll have these conversations and after the conversation i'll go up and i'll tell my wife about the you know i'm like i can't believe like This is actually a thing that exists. You can have a convers. You can reach out to someone that you want to talk to that is established, that has done things that you really admire. Have a engaging conversation with them. They want to do it, and then you get to call it content and put it out, and more people want to listen to it. and And I'm curious. Like, there's a lot of things that I can. uh, The other thing about podcasts too, as a consumer, um, as a consumer, the idea that I just get to eavesdrop on my idols conversations yes. i get to hear an hour-long conversation with jay shetty and will smith like what in what era like my parents didn't have access to that 50 years ago and i'm getting all of these perspectives of, of people's everyday experiences that i'm able to uh apply to to my everyday experiences so this is more just like a rant uh, about my like love for this this meet this medium and i'm curious if it uh wh- what are some of your favorite things about this this format besides the the you know building a business around it
1: i think that like you said that passion for this is like a hobby it's amazing i asked um i sat down with david rubenstein he's the founder of the carlisle group this is a multi-billion dollar investment firm i said you're not in the company anymore you're spending time interviewing on stage at events. Why are you doing this? You could do anything you want. Why interview? (laughs) And he said, why are you interviewing? And I thought, well, that's that's not the answer I'm looking for. (laughs) But then he, the answer might have been in there though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he said the same thing. It's the same reason that you, Tom are interviewing and I, Andrew am interviewing. It's, he he's curious about people it's the same reason some people read books there's a sense of curiosity that can only be satisfied in with certain mediums and so even though he's a billionaire and accomplished even though he could do anything with his life he is choosing to do interviews so the question is why am i doing it what am i getting out of it it's the same stuff you are it's intellectual satisfaction it's the connection with the person i'll say sometimes in my podcast i'll interview someone and then i'll say I'm in San Francisco, can I come out and meet you right now? And we'll go and sometimes it feels weird, but we'll go and we'll hang out together. Or they'll randomly bump into me someplace and we did the interview and we have a bond because we stared at each other and they, and we asked each other about, or in my case, I asked them about the most personal things in their lives, about the biggest successes. And when you share that, when you talk about that, you can't help but feel a bond with whoever you're doing it with. There's a reason why therapists are no longer allowed to have sex with their clients because there's a connection <laughs> that you have with them. So.
0: Uh, it's so true.
1: So the thing that I would say, though, is not I don't wonder anymore why David um, does interviews. I wonder why other people don't. And I think the answer is they they set up too many barriers. They want to edit the interview right so it sounds polished. They want to yeah. do too much research because that's what I say that I do. They want to put it on a podcast app, which then takes a long time. I think that the the win is to start with as simple as possible and be consistent to say, I'm going to do a Twitter spaces. I'm going to do an Instagram live every week on Monday. We're going to do it and forget about who is in the audience. Forget about how many people in the audience. Just talk to the one person and be done. That's it.
0: Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that you brought that point up because I I actually, I started a podcast a couple years ago and I had these kind of like these grand goals for, uh, you know, amount of listens, amount of metrics, like these, these vanity numbers to go to. And when I revisited it this time, I I decided my goal was just gonna be reps. I just wanna get better. At having these conversations mm-hmm. and so much of the marketing of these comes from one the guest uh you know telling their friends or and sharing it like it, it the marketing is built in so i don't have to worry about that if i can just get better at asking the questions better at vetting the guests and and really aligning like you know the direction of the podcast uh to a certain number like right now it, it's to 30 and i was just like let's just do 30 put my head down blinders on record 30 episodes and then look at it next and then be like all right what's the version 2.0 of this and and, and i'm starting to get to the point where people are reaching out f- for sponsorships because i you know they're seeing my my um voice in the creator economy they're seeing the connection on both the tiktok and the instagram the podcast doesn't have as much um listeners as compared to those but you, like the the listener time is extended you know people are hanging out with yeah. us they're like on the toilet listen listening to our <laughs> conversation you know i mean I mean, I mean yeah yeah whatever going for walks with their dogs maybe not on their toilet um don't listen to the show on the toilet,
1: maybe on the toilet. <laughs> listen to it on the
0: toilet yeah, yeah. so uh where, where was i getting oh yeah so do you have suggestions around uh Handling those conversations because there's a couple brands where I'm like these are actually really cool brands. Uh, I don't want to undervalue myself, uh, but I also it would be cool to do an integration. And I'm kind of like it would almost make the podcast feel a little more legit if I did if I had a sponsor. So do you have suggestions about how to integrate and like when might be the right time to start integrating with with spo- ads?
1: I think uh, anytime is fine, and I know that Gary Vaynerchuk used to say, "Don't." Don't put in advertising or revenue for as long as you can. But I I agree with you. I think people take it more seriously when it feels like there's a real business and you're not just hanging out and posting stuff the way their friends might post their kids' photos on Facebook. And I think it adds credibility to it. I think um, you also learn a lot by, by starting to sell ads early, maybe even before you're fully ready. Mm-hmm. What I did was I found a sponsor, it happened to be FreshBooks, that was interested, and I said... I don't care so much about the revenue. I care about how effective is this? Why do you want to advertise? Why do you advertise with me? Why do you advertise with others? What are you looking for? How do you measure success? If I charge you a dollar, what would you expect? If I charge you a thousand, what would you expect? Give me the thing. And then I gave them a price that was guaranteeing the results and underpriced it based on what they said. But I said, look, all I want is give me feedback. Tell me afterwards, did this hit the metrics? And mm-hmm. then they said no. And I have the freaking email, and I went back, and when I wrote the book, because I wanted to find the email where they said yes, and I couldn't believe that even to that <laughs> offer, they said no. Because <laughs> so I was underpricing it. I was guaranteeing it. They didn't have to pay me, and it's just 650 bucks. So yep. anyway, um, they said no, but then I pushed, and I said, I, I guarantee this will work. This There's no risk here. And so they said, okay, fine, let's do it. And they did it. And I sent it, by the way, to Mike McDermott, the founder of FreshBooks, and the team that said yes over FreshBooks. And um, uh, we had a laugh at that, and we reconnected because of that. But the point is, when they said yes, what I kept wanting to know is how effective is this. They they actually were looking for something that your sponsors are not, which is specific conversions. How many people were going to try their invoicing software? And if they could get a certain number of people at – I forget what it is. Let me just throw out a number for now. $10 $10 per person who tries, tries using their invoice software, they knew that they would make a profit on it. And if I was charging them $750 or $650, let us say, yeah, I think it was 650 and I could get them seven people to sign up, then that is not good. If I could get them 700, that would be great, right? Like, they, we knew what we were aiming for. Um, and so that's that's what i i did with them and then i kept looking for data and because i was so data hungry i even went a step further since i knew they were looking for conversions i said to everyone in the audience if you use their software invoice me i'll be your first invoice send me an invoice and i did that so i can count to see are they are their numbers right obviously their numbers were right the important thing though is once you get that and you say okay now i know what it's worth you can go to other sponsors and say look this one customer said that that they told me what their needs were, I got it for them, and they'll be a reference. So with the first customer, it's not so much about about money. You just say, look, I love your software, I love your software, I love your product, I love what you're doing. It's not about the money for me. I'll be honest with you. It'll be about the money in the future. So I'm not like a wuss here. It's not about the money, it's about the data. Tell me what your goal is, and throughout, tell me how close you're hitting it. And that way I can use you to learn from you and improve, and frankly, to point to other people and say, look, they got the results, So I don't need money. I will charge you something because it's a business relationship. But what I have to have is uh, I'll give you a great deal. I have to have data. Tell me whether it's working or not.
0: Yeah. And I love that approach because you're looking at it as a long term relationship instead of just this one off transaction where, oh, this is going to fund my content. And I, you know, a lot of these brands, they have a lot of people they could send their sponsors to in, in, in this day and age. And they it has to be really nice on their end that they know that you care about the actual return. It's not just hey, yeah. s- s- send me what you got.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So i w- I would love to. Uh, there's one. There's a couple more. A couple more little que- kind of questions here. Uh, the right. one is. It, you alluded to it in that conversation. You said, what's your goal? At the beginning of those conversations, do, you, do you, you, you bring in your question, what would make this a win for you? Or is that more just the podcast format? Because, and can we go into that? Is that something that you discuss in the book, the, that, that question to kind of tee up I do. the conversation? Yeah, I asked it
1: of you, and I didn't even realize it. It's just a, a habit. Um, what I used to do was um, I would have these guests who would just go rambling on stuff, promoting and now that I'm, I've got a book of my own. I understand why they would promote their books when they had a book, or why they promote their software when they have one. Like for me, I signed up with a new publishing company because I love startups. And so Ben, who who founded it, is investing so much of his time in this book that that he's publishing for me from uh, Damn Gravity is his name of the publishing company. He he's spending his time making sure that I book myself to do a few interviews, that I tweet out, that all that. I now feel the pressure not just for me to sell books but for him to know that if he's investing this time that people will know about the book. And it's so much pressure that I would, if if not for you before we got started asking me what is it that you want to do, I would, so that I don't get lost in conversation, I would have written down on the iPad that I have. Look, right here in front of me. I would have written down on this iPad, make sure to mention the book. And then I would have promoted it out of anxiety, out of making sure that mm. Ben was satisfied. Right now, the people that I interview, they have beyond the bend in their lives that they want to make happy. They have their parents or their their kids that they want to uh, earn money for, and so on. And it creates such anxiety that people promote and promote promote. So what I decided to do was before an interview, I started asking them, "What's your goal? What's the win for you? What do you what do you, What's your ideal out of this interview?" And once they They heard that I literally could see in their faces. You could go to my Instagram account. I'm not big on using Instagram, but you could see this one clip that I showed of what a reaction looks like when I say it. The person goes from tense to, ah, Andrew cares. Mm -hmm. and he literally says what many people say which is the fact that you asked is a win and then they tell me what their goal is and i can say oh yeah i can hit that you're trying to hire oh yeah we can absolutely make sure to mention the hiring page so you don't have to keep talking about your culture making sure that someone knows that you've got a slash jobs page right and so (laughs) that's what i do before the interviews it's a big thing try to do that even within uh, calls if somebody's calling you because maybe they heard you on this podcast and they're asking you for help before the call say before you start say look actually there's something else i would do before this but Uh, If it's a personal, non-recorded call, one of the first things I say is, what's a win for you here in the next 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. What's the ideal goal here? The one thing I do beyond that in a personal call is I share something personal before we get into business. Sorry, not a personal, in a business call. I share something personal so that we get some connection to each other, and then I go into business. But... What's a win for you? Very big, very important. I love it. Do it, it. In business calls. Do it, do it wherever there's like, we got to get I down think, to action. I think
0: work calls, collaborative, any creative calls with teams instead of, you know, going off on a tangent, you know, obviously when you're collaborating with other creative minds, you could, there's a lot of things that you could try to solve in that conversation, but what's the most effective thing here? Where, where do we want to sail this ship? Yes. So at the beginning of the call, I said, I talked about my win uh, selfishly. I said uh, uh, my win for this would be if you could school me on how to improve my my ability to lead a conversation yes. in a podcast. What's what's what, what's one to three tips? I don't want you to give me ten tips. I don't want to feel so bad. So maybe one <laughs> to three tips that you that I could do to uh, improve my del- delivery of my questions.
1: I I thought you were good. You can see how lit and on fire I was in this interview. I thought it just felt great. Um, And I think part of it is in just the conversation we had before we got started. You shared a secret with me before we got started. Not like this Mm. big secret, but it was a little bit of a work secret. And so it created a bond and a trust, right? If you're trusting me not to spill the beans on your thing, I could trust you not to take me in a bad direction. That was really nice. Um, And so it gave this, this conversation a real a real friendly and Mm. comfortable vibe um the one suggestion that i have is i didn't know where you were going with this interview i wasn't sure where the actually i'll give you two i wasn't sure where we were going are we going to talk a little bit about the book because i said it's a win and then later on talk about um online businesses or about someone just recently asked me about austin because we're now in austin and they want to know about the city you just never know what's the direction the person's coming in from. And sometimes an intro can help with that. Sometimes just saying up front before we get started, Andrew, my goal for this is to understand this one things and if we mm. go in different directions it's fine, but that's the thing. Yep. So that's the that's the most important one. The second one was we had this little interaction before we got started where I opened up my calendar and I was looking for the link and I couldn't find it. I think are you using Calendly to book these or am I using Calendly?
0: I'm using
1: Calendly. I think, yeah, yes. I think we're on your Calendly. I think you should go into the settings of Calendly and make sure to include a link to Riverside where you're doing this and make it. Now, I know why you didn't include it. You didn't include it because you got a different Riverside link for every guest, right? Yes. So one thing you could do is create one generic link within Calendly. I mean, one generic link within Riverside that you just call your studio, the, the Tom's Interview Studio. Yes. And have every guest show up at that URL. Get the guest URL mm. and just put that into Calendly and have it into every one of them. Test it out. You'll see it. I prefer that because now everyone is in a single thing and it's all easy to get. If you don't, the other thing you could do is I'm, – I'm wrapping here, but I'm, I'm going to close it off in a second – at least in the calendar, include your phone number and say a few minutes before the interview starts, I will email you the thing. Here's my number in case there's an issue. So that if we're looking at the calendar for the day, there's no doubt we see exactly where Tom's going to go.
0: Yes. So you're not sort of up in the air like, all right, like where? what am I clicking? What am I clicking for this mm-hmm. interview? Yeah, that, that that sort of stuff is the, um, the, I can definitely improve in those areas. I kind of button up the, the system behind recording the episodes and publishing that the, the episodes. And, yep. uh, I appreciate that. I, I think that that helps so much on my end and on your end. So we can just focus on having the conversation
1: and, and truthfully, that's not as important, but it's as you go, as you go on, if you see Andrew just at emailed me, I think he's the third person who emailed me saying, where do I go? How do I solve it? You know what the easiest way to solve it is to go to the Calendly link and put something in so people know it. Yes. I see another person doesn't really know who I am, doesn't have a sense of who I am because they didn't hear the full interview or they keep apologizing for not listening to the whole interview. What can I do? I know what. I'll create this four point, four bullet points about what they wanna, uh, what they might wanna know before the interview. Or I'll just create a clip of the interview if I have the patience to go and clip out um, one of my past interviews so they could see that. Or I don't know. I'll link to my LinkedIn or my bio or whatever. But as you find a problem, if you see that it comes two or three times, say how do I add that to my system to fix it so it never happens again?
0: Yep totally I, I appreciate that and I, I think too you know a, a lot of my get gu- all of my guests they're movers and shakers of some sort they have a lot going on so i from my end um the favor that you're doing coming on the show i have to make it as easy as possible for you to just show up do your thing uh and and make sure you that you know you're in like a safe uh yeah. you know space to have a, a fun engaged conversation
1: yeah yeah and that comes as you build it up you're just going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. and then when somebody comes in and says can i help you do this podcast so that i can learn from you they're not going to see something that is obvious they're going to see a few things that make total sense but they wouldn't have thought of before and you could even say something like just copy my calendly link or go through the and right and now you've got some real value there for someone who's who's coming in and working with you
0: andrew This podcast, I got to be honest, if I can share something with you, I was nervous for this podcast. I feel like it's like um, I'm looking at the the LeBron James of asking questions right now. And that gives me, you know, I'm like, okay, he knows this space so well. I, you know, most of the people I interview, like they're not professional interviewers. So I'm like, he's going to look at me, you know, if I'm playing (laughs) basketball with LeBron, he's going to be like looking at my form, looking at my elbow. Is it in, you know, how am I carrying myself? So it was, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And I learned a lot. Can't wait to go back and listen to this one again, because there are so many little nuggets that I just want to imprint in my memory and take down where let's talk about the book where can people get it where can people expand um on this conversation uh and yeah what's the best place to find it
1: it's going to be in just about every bookstore actually i only care about the digital bookstores so it's probably going to be in online bookstores only i don't care I, I i don't even know about the others i don't care about them actually you know what that's a rude thing for me to say cuz a lot of people do care about physical bookstores my wife and kids <laughs> do for example all right it's going to be in bookstores um and it'll also be available online and it's coming out in the middle of October. And if anyone just wants to get the what's there now um, and just see some of the chapters, give me some feedback. Use it uh, right now. I've taken the the best little t- tips that work instantly, and uh, we're emailing it out to a few beta readers. And if you're interested in that, go to stopaskingquestions.co and uh, be a beta reader. And I really appreciate all the people who are catching things like my misspelling of someone's name. That's terrible. So the actual title is Stop Asking Questions. Stop Asking Questions is the name of the book. Exactly. And now we know why.
0: So search that into anywhere and and go find that book. And let's help Andrew with his spelling on that book. And also get some amazing insights while we're at it. Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks, Tom.